you'd like to contact the show, send us an email at liveonfourlegspodcast at gmail.com or follow us on any of our social media accounts on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at liveonfourlegspodcast and on Twitter at liveonfourlegspod. talking earlier about um, sort of lyrics and acoustic shows and and uh, just how sometimes you know playing rock music you can kind of um, can all become kind of a big wash and and sometimes the words get lost and um, and we thought um, this would be a you know a perfect night to sort of play a song that you know in the past has been sort of um, a bit muffled but we really wanted you to hear the uh, the sentiment so I think it's real special, and uh, Ed will start this one. And away we go. You're listening to Live on Four Legs, the live Pearl Jam podcast experience, featuring... Mr. Stone Gossett! Fucking camera in the truck. Live on Four Legs, a definitive live Pearl Jam podcast. And uh, guess what? It is technically our birthday. Both John and I are celebrating a birthday very soon, but this podcast is actually turning two years old this week. So happy birthday to this podcast. Yeah, we'd say. Yeah, we, we made it through another year. Uh, yeah, we'd say happy birthday to us, but I think this podcast <laughs> is kind of bigger than, than us and. and and honestly, if I could say better than us, uh, <laughs> I'll throw that I'd out say there. Thanks, you know, thanks to everybody who's who's been supporting us, whether you're listening or donating to the Patreon. If you, whether you're, you know, talk, like interacting with us on social media, talking about us to your friends, like on the on the forums, whatever, all that stuff helps, and all that stuff keeps us going. So, thank you to everybody. Yeah, absolutely. This has been, I mean, just the growth that we've experienced within the last year compared to where we were last year at this point where we were still kind of trying to figure it out. And, you know, John, you were very new at the time and, you know, we, we kind of had to get our wheels under us a little bit and figure out where we wanted to go as a podcast. And I think we, we figured it out obviously. And, you know, I, I don't want to harp on like the patrons or anything like that and just like say, Oh, how great the patrons are. But our Patreon numbers were so, are so much better now than they were then. And that's a testament to our craft and what we've done for the show and how we've attacked it. And, uh, like, 
the things that we've been able to do this year because of, you know, not just patrons, but because of just connections. And, and like you heard yesterday with Kenny Main, uh, with Edge, with a couple other, the Pearl Jam, uh, you know, writers and, and, uh, and, you know, guys like Jonathan Cohen and, and Rob Bleetzing that we had on for the Wrigley Forum. That's all stuff that we weren't ready for at this time last year. And we can honestly say now, we're ready for anything, you know, we, we we're ready to attack whatever it is and, and get whoever needs to be on the, on the show for the future. Cause, uh, that's, we know that you guys want it. We know that we want to tell the stories and, you know, whether it's coming from a fan or coming from a, a much higher platform, that's what we're looking to do. That's our goal within the next year, September, 2021. If there are no shows to go to, that's our goal is to, you know, keep just keep telling stories. Yeah, I mean, it's been really rewarding too because you know, going back to that Edge episode, that was kind of the the first one of those things that we did where we kind of branched out into into something new. But yeah, I mean, it's been really rewarding to come up with these ideas and you and I brainstorm, talk about what we want to do, and then being able to to put it out there for you guys and to have people give us feedback and to, and to, to listen and everything and yeah just it's been it's been great and yeah we we thanks everybody you know we're, we're just getting going you know we we're just ramping up you know when this when this tour comes back whenever that is we want to go just as big as we were planning on going for this year so stay absolutely. tuned there's there's a lot more to come absolutely yeah and and look when it comes to the content i keep thinking to myself i'm like oh we're doing better royal hall today and we did all the wrigley shows and we've done so many different shows in 2020 that you can say well you can't get much better than that and then i look and i'm like we still got mansfield we still got those great jones b shows of the 2000s uh we still got pj20 that we need to do there's a lot still of 98 stuff a red lot of rocks a lot of, yeah. a lot of 90 stuff yeah not, not that 94 tour and 90 we haven't done any 91 shows no yeah, yeah we got I, a, we got a lot we got a lot still to go we've barely scratched the surface as to how much that we can you know how, how much we can take on with the show and how many stories we can tell so if you've been in it for the long haul if you're if you're just starting in right now welcome aboard Let's get this going. We're just going to sit here and talk about the music, talk about the stories today. And that's what's so great about Benaroy Hall is that they're just millions and millions and millions of stories coming from this show. It's kind of a badge of honor. It's one of these shows. Everybody that goes to the show says, I was there and says it like with this, you know, cheeky grin, like, I know you weren't there, but guess where I was. And even people that weren't there, but maybe somebody owns it on vinyl. Like, that's another big thing. Have it on your mantle. Like, you know, these are this this show in the Pearl Jam lore has become such a huge talking point. And almost it's one of those it's almost like a folk story, kind of where, you know, this within the set list, within uh, how how many people were allowed in the venue and, and how hard it was to get a ticket. Like, this is one of those stories that you don't you don't find this every day. Yeah, and I think a lot of it is the venue too. You know, we you think you hear Ben Arroyo and you think like, oh, you know, you're, you're somebody's talking about the the vinyl or you know talking about being there. But l- let's just talk about the venue for a second. Like this is this is not a place that that Pearl Jam would normally play, and they've they've played a lot of places in Seattle from like small dingy clubs to stadiums, arenas. But this is kind of a unique thing. Like this is more of like a like a high class like 
orchestra opera venue and for them to, to play a place like this must have been really special yeah you would you would think and i don't know if it, under any other circumstances they would be able to play it and you know all the benefits from the show went to youth care which was a uh uh, I'm going to guess still is uh, an organization that uh, uh, finds um, homes for homeless youths and, and donates to homeless youth. But, you know, I, I couldn't think them putting up a show there and just saying, Hey, let's, let's just pack the house to just play Ben and Roy. That's not, that's not what it's there for. It's there for something special. Like you said, orchestras and operas and, and, you know, people have, season tickets to venues like this. And I, I know because my, my wife used to work for uh, a symphony orchestra and, you know, she dealt with donors and, and people like that. They go for seasonal events. Like that's what this kind of venue is. So most of the people, yeah, it's, like, it's part of the community. And like that, that, that's what you do is you, you know, you, you give, you do something like this to give back to the community. Sure. Oh yeah. And, and most of the people that probably automatically had tickets for the show probably had no idea what it was like it's all you know people in their 60s and 70s that are super stinking rich that just get the tickets no matter what and you know and and then uh, when it comes closer to the show and they're like well i i don't want these they go back into you know into the ticket box and uh, they you know they they go and they sell them at, at at the door and actually one of our patrons ryan was uh, able to tell us a story not too long ago about how he waited online at that will call and he was able to get tickets. He thought he would be in the way back, but he ended up getting, you know, tickets, 10 rows or something. I don't remember the full story, 10 rows yeah. uh, from the stage just because they belonged to somebody or likely belonged to somebody that was a, a member that was a, a donor or contributor uh, to the venue or to the orchestra. So, you know, like that's just, those are the kind of stories that come out of this show. This isn't just like, Hey, normal, normal old show. And uh, you know, <laughs> just got a ticket and, and kind of, kind of got a ticket and went, no, people don't tell those stories when they talk about this show. They talk about there's, there's more like, what we talked about with Kenny, like that's how people got tickets for this show. That's how, you know, I feel like that's how everybody got there. Oh yeah. Well, all 2,500 of them must've gotten to the right people because this crowd is amazing. Like if you listen to the recording, watch the video, they're, they're in it from the very beginning. They're, they're in it on every song. Like, yeah, there's, there's even a couple of people that, that try to become part of the show, which we'll talk about later. Oh yeah. Uh Um, but yeah, I mean the, this this crowd is great. They're super loud. It they sound like four or five times the amount of people. And uh, look, we we uh, talked to Kenny yesterday about his experience at the show. And if you didn't get to listen to that episode, you should. He's awesome to talk to. He has so many great stories about Stevie Wonder and Tom Petty, and uh, just about being friends with Jeff. Uh, but one of the best stories that he told was about this show was about Ben and Roy hall and how he was able to get tickets to it. So we want to retell it for everybody today for anybody that didn't get to listen to his episode, go listen to that, but we're going to replay it for you now and uh, just tell you how kind of crazy it is to walk into tickets like this. I was in Seattle. This is about 2003 ish, four ish, one or the other. And we were, this is back in the period where I was doing these pretend football stories all the time. We would like make up a, a silly the, uh, the countdown ones. Um, oh, countdown. 
Yeah, I, I remember one of them because I knew when I was working at ESPN, I had seen one of the guys that you had used. Yes, yeah. I had seen him around. Yeah, that's, that's exactly the story. So we got this guy named Max Kim, super nice guy. He's uh, into British metal. If you ever do a British metal show, you can bring him. <laughs> um, so he's from South Korea. And one night I'm doing sports center. We were planning what our next week's story was. And we were been kicking around. We should do like a fake player. Like, you know, the old, what was it? Sid Finch, you know, the old, the old yep. things. Right. And Max is on the floor. And I said, Max, you ever been to Seattle? And he's like, no, you know, like I would definitely go to Seattle. He's all excited. You know? So we tell the bosses, we tell his bosses, you know, here's what we're trying to pull off. Call the Seahawks. Would you let us do this crazy story? And they rolled out the red carpet. Holmgren was the coach at the time. We had a fake press conference. People can look it up. If his name we gave him was Kim Il Zong, K I M I L, last name Z O N G, word number 129. And the joke was that he plays all 22 positions. They signed him for a billion dollars because they want to win now. You know, like we, they made a whole spectacle of it for us, let him on the field during practice. And I just tech- remember him punting the ball with the cigarette in his mouth. Yeah. Yeah. He did that. He walked through the tires also with the cigarette. More gene. <laughs> So that's the first year. The, the second year we come back, and it's the next season, we're like, well, let's do that Kim Il-Zong story again. That was funny the last time. This time we were going to pretend that he kind of let the Seahawks down. He kind of lied about his talent, and he, he really couldn't play any positions. So, so the first time, Jeff Amon was in the story pretending this guy's so awesome, he might even take Ed's spot in Pearl Jam. He could, there's nothing he can't do, right? Second year – this is by sheer coincidence, I, you know, because we kind of made the trip in a hurry. Pearl Jam's playing a concert at Benaroya Hall, which is our, like, fancy place. You know, it's, it's like where orchestras play and theater and so forth. Uh, Pavarotti would play there, that kind of place, right? Um, so we, we are driving right by that place. So we look up, it says Pearl Jam, sold out. So we jump out of the car. Immediately we got something to shoot, right? Like, now he can't even get into a Pearl Jam show. We played that trick. But we, we have no intention to go in the, the concert because we're supposed to go to the basketball game. The Sonics had a preseason game that night. So Brent Berry is uh, a guy that we come up to and, and say, hey, can you give us a couple lines for this fake story we're doing? And he does a great job on the court. It's, it's pregame for this NBA game. And he says, hey, what are you doing tonight? I said, what do you mean? We're at your game. And he's like, do you want to go to Pearl Jam instead? I was like, hell yeah, we'll go to Pearl Jam. So he, he said, go in the locker room dig in my jeans for my keys, go out to the parking lot. There's, he has like a VW bus at the time. And the tickets, he just didn't want them to go to waste. Right? The tickets are right there in his console. So we leave that game. We'd already shot what we needed. And we go to probably my favorite concert, you know, of the many, the oh, Benaroya concert. Yeah, and so it's so also good. probably my favorite album because they made an album of that that I bumped into at a like a flea market in Fremont. Uh, so I have that as well. It's just on so- vinyl or on CD? Uh, CD. Oh, okay. I was about to say on vinyl, that flea market, that is a bargain right there. Yeah. No, it was on CD, but but I just remember the whole, they played a Johnny Cash song. They played uh, the first time they'd ever unveiled Man of the Hour from the movie mm-hmm. Big Fish, which is also right. one of my favorite movies. Um, there were just so many moments, and we had great seats. I mean, we were just blown away, like, how, how did all that even happen? You know, like, how did we choose Brent Berry to be our interview subject? Could have been somebody else, right? Right. And how he, he was so kind, like he didn't want the tickets to go to waste. And uh, so I've always tried to pay him back. I, I don't think I've, I've done it yet, but it was a pretty cool night and, and a memorable concert, obviously, with everything they did that night. 
So great story again from Kenny, you know, you never know what you're going to run into when uh, you're in Seattle and, you know, finding them in Brent Barry's uh, in, in his, in his car, in his truck uh, was just like, who would ever think that that would happen in a million years? So, you know, these stories, you can't make them up. Like they're, they're just amazing that, these things can happen. So uh, we're thankful that he was able to, to come on and, and uh, tell us the story. And also um, we're doing a little bit of uh, we're doing a uh, contribution to uh, his organization runfreely.org uh, this month. And what we're doing is anybody that donates to our Patreon in September, we will do, uh, donate all those contributions to his organization. John, why don't you tell them a little bit about what his organization does? Yeah, so they they were founded in 2018 by by Kenny along with his wife Gretchen. Uh, Kenny actually was when he he played football for UNLV back in the early 80s. He suffered a really catastrophic ankle injury. Uh, he spent just years walking and running in pain. I think he talks about that in the episode. Mm. He, he talks about like just has a softball in his ankle. You know, he's had all these surgeries, all this physical therapy, and in 2017 he was fitted for what he calls the magic device that he just found himself walking and running pain-free. It's just kind of amazing. So they they have this device called the ExoSim device, which built, like, the goal is to, like, reduce pain and restore mobility to active duty and retired service members who've had, like, limb salvage conditions. They try to use it to avoid amputation. And it's really, like, he, you know, he talks about it. It's He calls it the magic device. And, yeah, it's, he's he's got firsthand experience with it that it works. And so what they do is they – they raise money to to get these devices to to veterans and you know service members and yeah it's just it's just fantastic it's it's a great thing that he's involved with and you know we're we're happy to to help a little bit absolutely yeah so if you're interested in contributing to that contributing to us full time uh all of our september c- contributions will go to runfreely.org in order to do that, head on over to patreon.com slash live on four legs. Uh, you can contribute anywhere up from as low as a dollar to $10 a month if you want. If you want to do more just for this one occasion and then bring it back down to a dollar, that'd be great just to get him and his organization as much proceeds as, as humanly possible. We want to do as best we can uh, to, to really help him out this month. And for anybody that is also already a patron and just wants to increase their donation just for the month, just for this, then they can bring it back down once, uh, once the month is over. I mean, anything that you guys can do is greatly appreciated for this. We want to try and uh and help them out as much as possible so head on over to patreon.com slash live on four legs and uh, you know obviously you get all the extra exclusive episodes we should have a rear view mirror uh evolution i know we've been saying it for like three weeks now but yes a rear view, <laughs> a rear view mirror evolution episode is coming it, it is on the way so uh you should probably expect that in the next couple of days or so uh and we did last week we did uh bridge school 2001 so there's a lot yeah. of stuff going on over there as much as you guys give to us, we want to give back to you guys, you know, so there's yep. there's so much out there. So, And, I'm, and I want to mention, too, you know, just in case, you know, if you're 
if you're just a little behind, if you're not listening to this during September and you still want to make a donation, they you can there is a donate button at their website, runforlead.org. So if you're listening to this at a later date, not during September, and you still want to make a donation or support Kenny and his his project, you can you can still do that. That's a great call because people do listen to this in other months that aren't the one that we're currently in right now, especially a show like this. You know, if if people have never heard of our show before, this is going to be one of the first ones that they look to and they're going to be like, Ben Arroyo. Yeah. Let's, let's go and listen to that. Yeah. Let's, I want, I want to see what they have to say about it. So, um, this is, this is going to be easy and it's going to be a challenge too, because there's so many things to talk about and hopefully we'll hit on every single scenario. So obviously we mentioned before for youth care, for helping out homeless youth, that's something that, you know, even back to two years ago, they were still, trying to make money and uh, make donations for uh, Seattle's homeless and and help their homeless situation over there. So that's something they've really kept true to as a band within basically their whole career. Yeah, it just ties in with with the theme of all the charitable stuff that they do. You know, it's especially in their hometown, you know, and it just shows you, you know, how committed they are to these causes, you know, that even, you know, 15 years later, they're, they're still doing the same thing. Absolutely. They're a band of their word and it's part of, it's just the additional love and appreciation that we have for them that they can go and just, you know, basically help out something that they really feel fondly on. And, you know, how many different organizations have they helped out over the years? Thousands almost. And, you know, I, I, Absolutely. I, I admire them for that. And it it's not just about the music sometimes. It's about really appreciating them as human beings, too. And, and that's such an important part of, uh, of being a fan of theirs. So um, anything? Uh, look, obviously, this is an acoustic show for for most of the members of the band. Uh, maybe maybe not one specific one, but we can get into <laughs> that. But is there anything else that we kind of, you know, need to tee up here that, you know, because this is a show for sort of dis- disenfranchised youths and, and like the, uh, the homeless, uh, uh, homeless teenagers, this is kind of a show that has a lot more melancholy, you know, acoustic songs because of that. And I think they wanted to set that precedent pretty early on. Yeah, I think too. And it's the venue too, you know, songs like, you know, you can, you can come out and play blood and spin the black circle and all that stuff, but it's just, it's just not going to sound good in this building. Like the, the way the acoustics were, I'm, I'm, I'm sure, you know, the, a, a set like this is going to sound even better. And I'm sure that's the reason they chose to record it and release it. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I, I would think that that was probably the plan going into this, that look, this is going to be a once in a lifetime opportunity. Let's capitalize off of this, yeah, yeah. you know, for people that weren't there and really wanted to be there, you know, at least they'll get to listen to it forever. And, you know, obviously the CD, not so hard to get the vinyl impossible to get, uh, you know, so for people that are collectors out there, this is one of the the more special ones to have in your collection. They've put out so much over the years from, you know, just regular bootlegs, right. regular shows, but this is this feels like it's so so much more. Absolutely. And yeah, I and mean, talk about, you know, two thousand three, like they they did that long tour, the world tour. We we've covered some of those. They started off in like Japan Australia, you know, they did the long U.S. leg, mm. ended up with that show in Mexico City, and then they had a couple months off, and then they had this this really cool week of shows here. I don't know if we want to talk about, you know, the, the other shows that happened. We we're going to be covering those Bridge School ones, you know, in the next few months, but even that Santa Barbara show that happened a week later was still just amazing. This is a great week. 
It, re- it really is. And I think it, you know, the week itself, it doesn't get the appreciation that this show specifically gets. I feel like when people talk about Benaroya Hall, they single it out and they don't talk about Santa Barbara as much. And Santa Barbara is just as important, maybe not even in other aspects more so important thinking back on what happened at that show and, and who showed up uh, right. thinking back on it now. Like, yeah, like that's a really special show. And the bridge school shows are also, they're always special too. There, there's some songs that were played at all of these shows that they've never brought out for any of these other shows again, that stay in this little, this weak era almost and and it's kind it's kind of cool it kind of you know it's kind of a testament to where they were at the time and and uh yeah these are this is just really popular shows and and this is probably the cream of the crop of them yeah you know it's it's just the coolest thing because you think about it think about your favorite band right or there you know they're going to play a show it's going to be acoustic which they don't normally do they're going to play a bunch of songs they've never played before a bunch of rare songs some one-off covers like yeah you I'm in like can they do that a hundred times like I think Jeff talks about that in the in the PJ20 book he says yeah you know it'd be interesting if if we we might we might want to do that again someday so we'll see what happens yeah you know what and now you know 17 years later they have so much more material to work with they have four more albums and you know other songs that they can utilize and they're they're as much more of a polished band now than they were back then. And and for how polished they were back then, that's a, that's a compliment. Um, but think about the songs that they could do in this setting. Now songs like speed of sound and, uh, inside job and, you know, songs of that ilk, uh, you know, maybe even pendulum, like those, those kind of songs being in this environment would be very cool. Even like a just breathe or a end, like, yeah, some of the backspacer stuff. You mentioned Speed of Sound. That's a great call. Yeah, you know, just, I'm thinking days, rare Yellow stuff. Moon. Yeah. Right. Yeah, even like yeah. a Buckle Up or a River Cross, something like this oh, would be yeah. incredible. Yeah, absolutely. So we won't waste any more of your time. Let's uh, let's get into the music here. And the show kicks off with the binaural song. It's not the last of the binaural songs. Binaural leads the pack on this show. This And, and look, at the time, binaural... It's the the you know the follow up album is out so binaural isn't as rare but when you look at the show in 2020 this is it has to be one of the rarest shows on paper that that you can think of because a song like of the girl is an opener and then they go back to other binaural stuff like uh, sleight of hand uh, and parting ways and a couple of those other songs that we'll, we'll get to in a couple minutes they'll never ever ever play these songs in this kind of setting again. If they go and do a show like this, you'll be lucky to get one binaural song. That's right. And even, too, looking back on it, like some of the songs now that we think of as more common, like a like a Low Light or like a Down or Masters of War, even some of the covers they do, like back then, those, those were not common songs. They, we'll they almost didn't exist. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So... Of the Girl opens up the show, and, you know, we talked about, on the Patreon, we talked about the uh, 2001 Bridge School version, and, and they were just really getting back to being a band at that time, and they were, they were kind of on hiatus for about a year, and uh, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't the best version acoustically, but I like what they did here 
Mike gets on electric. He's able to just be himself and do what he does. And, you know, and the band kind of jives with it, too. I've said it before about the song. Ed just kind of, it's one that Ed sort of takes a step back on, doesn't isolate his vocals at all. It's not a platform like, uh, you know, a couple of these next songs are for him to just absolutely, you know, pour out emotion. But Mike, you know, is just as much of a star of this show as, as Ed is. And, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll hear and you'll see how uh, how that'll all come about oh yeah you see him you know struggling to to play sitting down like he <laughs> wants to just let loose and i think with this version of of the girl the way it, it differed from that version i think that version they were maybe trying to bring a little bit more of the the dynamics and kind of like when it when the song builds up almost to that it does it gets a little bit louder and a little bit more chaotic at the end but this one i thought it stayed really even and you know had a really nice just kind of flow to it no pun intended but it uh yeah it was it was really nice it kind of stayed quiet which i thought added to like the tension of it which is what you want in a song like this i I thought it was great right the balance between mike and the rest of the band when mike is on the electric on these songs the balance is just it's insane like they're almost on two different stages it's yeah. kind of it's crazy to listen to and you know you hear the crowd and how energetic the crowd gets when when mike gets into one of those solos and this is just this is one of the songs where he just has his platform to just go wild um all right the next uh next track up like you mentioned before low light at the time this is only the fourth time they'd ever played the song uh they went back the garden dvd they uh, that show which was coming out around this time you know there's a lot going on with the band lost dogs is a, a couple weeks out and uh, i believe this dvd is a couple weeks out and low light is actually on this dvd which is crazy because it, it's not a song that even got to play when the album was out this is one of their rarest at the time and and What's even crazier is now you almost can't go a show without getting low light. Yeah, it kind of they they fell back in love with it. I think over the years, and yeah, it's like you said, it's crazy to go back and think this was only the fourth time in in five years that the song had been played. And and this is the the first part where I think Ed's voice just stood out to me and oh, just kind yes. of floored me. Perfect. He sounds note perfect on this like it's whether it's whether it's like we talked about the acoustics of the venue whether it's you know kind of the the band and the acoustic instruments kind of letting his voice take take the take center stage and front center but he sounds unbelievable like this is this is peak you know he's his timber his everything is perfect in his voice it it really blows you away listening to this recording Books and jealousy tell me wrong All I feel is calm
I really noticed about Low Light because they play it so often now. They get it, it, they're more loose with it now. You know, it's a pretty emotional song. It has some highs and some lows to it. But when you know on the on the album, you know they, they pretty much keep it even keel. But when they play it live, especially when you know they're they're playing in that one two three spot, you know, at, at a stadium show or whatever, they'll do stuff like that. Uh, that line, all I feel is gone, and he'll go up a little bit, or at the end where I don't need the light. None of that is here. He keeps it as pure as possible, and he's trying to kind of you know find something within him to kind of channel that emotion that the song was originally supposed to uh elicit and you sort of forget that because of those things you know you can you can hear the song and you know those those parts are coming when you hear the song live and and you're watching them but here it's such a different dynamic and i love going back and seeing how it's evolved over the years and it's turned into a more loose song but to go and hear how perfect he sounds on this and hear his vocals and how isolated they are he he doesn't get a rise out of it at all it's sort of he he keeps it very even keel and maybe that's where all of his emotion comes from that you can kind of feel what he's feeling in his soul because of that oh yeah he can do so much with his voice he doesn't he doesn't have to to let loose with the screams and to and to let loose to be able to convey that emotion through his voice absolutely he's got a gift and you mentioned too yeah the evolution of the song like they've kind of found those crowd moments in it through the years as it's become more common where they've kind of picked up on those ones like yeah where he'll he'll let his he'll let that note ring like hold it for a really long time and it gets always gets a big reaction and yeah you know when he really reaches up during during the, the verse but yeah this is this is before any of that had even happened like we like we said only the fourth time so yeah they were still i'm i'm sure they had to go back and and rehearse it a few times to to make sure it was good but yeah it it sounds great it really does and you have to be thinking you know if you're at the show and you're thinking okay well they're going to pull this out what else is going to come out of this and you know, obviously, as we go, we'll we'll see. But um, thumbing my way is number three, and this this already this is telling you, okay, this is this is straying from the traditional set list. This is, and it's not even straying in a way that like something like Red Rock strayed. It's co- it's a completely different atmosphere. You can't compare this to any other set list ever in their history not even bridge school shows it's so much different than all that because of what they're trying to go through and i i feel like thumbing my way going back to his vocals being isolated and just him channeling you know just just a solemn emotion or you know just kind of getting a glimpse of what's in his soul i feel like this was one of very early on one of the definitive moments of that. I really felt something powerful from this. I can be free with what's locked inside of me If there was a key to get in your hand There's no wrong or right But I'm sure there's good and bad Well i yeah. 
that uh, Chop Suey performance that they recorded for the, the video when Riot Act came out. And it's a very, like like you mentioned, it's a very loose performance, you know, just kind of sparse. Like, they're, they're in kind of a similar situation, just kind of on a small stage, kind of tightly together, and it sounds great. But... Yeah, the thing that, that stuck out to me was how slow it is, and I mean that in a good way. Oh, yeah. Like, it's the song, this is one of those songs that needs the space. Like, there's almost more going on in the space than there is when the notes are playing. And in a, in a, in a venue like this, I, oh, it would have given me would have given me chills to, to hear it in, in a space like this. It, it's, they really paced it well and it perfectly, and it, the, song, the song can breathe and walk around, and yet yeah, it's unbelievably good it, this is one of the highlights for me as well yeah it is it is his best when he's at his most vulnerable and like this on the album the way it's mixed the way it's produced it it's one of the most vulnerable songs on the album and, and it kind of it brings in images of your into your head like that no matter how cold winter there's springtime ahead like it kind of gives you this vibe of like okay somebody's hitchhiking in kind of like a rural plane in you know a South Dakota, North Dakota area where it's nothing but snow and there's nobody around and and like they they paint a perfect picture of all that and when they play it in this in this setting it's you know it brings all of that back it brings up all of those same emotions and all of those same you know visions that that you get from this song that really make it special so uh, yeah. We're going to be talking about this again. Uh, I would have to predict later on the show, so uh, uh, hang tight on that. Um, in between, though, pre-thin air, Stone starts to play a little bit something. I don't know if the crowd is uh, that savvy with it, but he starts to play something. It's unearthing a lost dog. <laughs> My question to you is, because I don't know the answer to this, how early was Lost Dogs leaked to the fans? They, I'm going to guess that they, some of them probably had it at this point. Well, yeah, I think there was, because this was definitely the time of Napster and, and all that stuff had been going around. And there was a, a promo of, of Lost Dogs that was leaked uh, around definitely before the show sometime in 2003. So yeah, I think we, we knew some of what was going on there. Okay. All right. So a lot of the people came prepared and to hear those first couple notes of fatal, they're like, Oh, Oh, oh." but just hold on just a second because that (laughs) stone got the set list a little bit mixed up. And uh, you'll notice because in thin air going into the second verse where stone has his little, just kind of, I guess, his little melody that, that transitions, that dum 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 Like, Stone is just completely lost. Yeah. Definitely. So I wonder if that goes back to him thinking, oh, well, we were supposed to play, I thought that we were supposed to play Fatal here. Uh, I wonder if that has any connection to that. Yeah, it could be, and it and it's funny too because you see in the video he immediately just stops playing and just starts <laughs> cracking up at himself, like like oh I fucked up, my bad, and like yep. the rest of the bands kind of looking at him like all right, all right, and then but it, uh, yeah, it's the it's end. a really it's a really cool moment. 
Yeah, and then at the end, he kind of screws around a little bit. And he's like, oh, yeah, of course I know how to play it. And then even Mike does it on his on his side. And he's like, I can do it. You can do it. Like, you know, <laughs> that kind of thing. So the dynamics of the show is great. Ed, Ed says something after the song like, oh, you know, we heard that that this venue was really, really tough on people who, who messed up. You know, I'm paraphrasing, obviously, but he's like, we're, we're not getting away with that mistake. one. If you yeah, make the slightest yeah. mistake, everyone catches on to it. There's no chance getting away with that one. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, uh, you know, when whenever they, they're able to make fun of themselves and, and kind of laugh off, uh, you know, a movement on that kind of stage pretty early, you would, you would think like, ooh, that's setting a bad precedent. But, oh, no, they, they absolutely take the ball and run, run with it from here. Um, and this is where Ed actually introduces uh, the song that, Stone thought that they were going to play in the spot, and uh, that is the live debut of Fatal. And yeah, this is this is probably one of you, you know outside of Low Light. This is probably your next like massive what the hell's going on here moment. Like holy shit, you know we're getting Lost Dogs is about to come out, and they you know they've played a couple of those Lost Dogs songs. Some of them have rose to you know fame. Amongst the fans, obviously, Ledbetter and, and Footsteps and Wash and songs like that. But even songs like You, you know, people would go and dig those, dig a song like that out. And Down was pretty popular at the time. But, like, this is the first ever performance of Fatal. And I thought for the first performance of this, they absolutely nailed it. I love this version. Yeah, I mean, everything we, everything I said about Thumbing My Way still applies to Fatal. It's, it's the perfect space. It's slow where the song has room to breathe, and all that stuff still applies. I mean, Ed sounds amazing on it. Yeah, and more of it's just one of those. Songs, oh, yeah, it's it's just one of those songs that it's one of those mood songs that that Stone was so good at coming up with, and and still is. And yeah, it was immediately a fan favorite. And they played it what eight times or something ridiculous like that. Yeah. Oh my god. And yeah, that this would. Oh, I, I would have been like like I've said a few times when we talk about moments like this like I would have been in a puddle on the floor like are you kidding me yeah. like oh my god I would have been freaking out and I was trying to think to myself because I'm listening to this I'm saying why don't they play this more often why don't they play this more often and then I realized it finally came to me and it's because they can't tap into this every single night this emotion that they have is special they have to save it for when they know there's going to be a certain show where we're going to feel it. And that's why only eight times that they brought it up, they have to think like, okay, first of all, what's the setting? What's the surrounding? Is it going to work for this? Are we feeling, you know, are we feeling up to it? Are we, do we, do we know it? Uh, but I, I think it all has to do with the emotion and whether or not they're able to tap into it. And that's, I think that's why it's been so sparse over the years. Yeah, I think it could easily be a crowd killer if it's not the right moment right. for it. Right. Yeah, I agree. And, yeah, I, I, we've heard versions of this that, you know, I, I think the newer versions are are great, but they're not anywhere close to being on this level. So I, I understand that they want to keep it as, you know, uh, as underutilized as possible. So when it does come up, it, it feels like it is a special moment. It's one of the very few that they have that you can still say that about yeah here's here's open to more performances in this next tour i hope we get but it not too times. much more 
but not too much more because <laughs> we want to keep it a little bit special, but at least the shows we go to. So, uh, all right, more binaural, nothing as it seems, more Mike getting on the electric and just showing how much how much he can outshine the band on this stage. Like, uh, that's what it is, and, and we're, yeah. we're six songs into this, and we already got three binaural. We're only going to have one from ten and one from verses. So, I, you know, this has got to dawn on people in the crowd here, like how unbelievably special all of this is. Oh my gosh, yeah. And again, this is one where where Mike is really working that chair. Like he is mm-hmm. he is he is fighting it, trying to stay seated. He's rocking back and forth and dropping down to the side and yeah, he's he's getting he's getting everything he can out of it. Yeah. It's 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 one of those performances and we've talked about it before where you know when he's when he's really holding those notes and and bending them and letting them you know, stretch out that he's, he's really feeling it. And deep, yeah. yeah that, that, that was in this performance as well. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. There's, there's no other, there's no other way to, to just take this in than just to listen to it and just feel it because it's one of those versions you just don't listen to. You, you feel it as well, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, all right. So, I mean, this isn't going to be the last time McCready blows our <laughs> mind at this show. Like there's, there's going to be a moment later on in, in the main set where the crowd is just standing ovation up, up in arms for McCready and, and he deserves every minute of it. But uh, before we get to, to that moment, we do have another song debut here and it has a little bit of a story attached to it. A couple of weeks ago, a guy called Tim Burton came up and, uh, or actually sent a film for us to watch. He made a new film. It's uh, called Big Fish and it's a really beautiful film. And uh, then he asked if uh, we had something to put on it at the end. And uh, it was such a moving film that we, uh, we were, it was easy to write something for him. So we did, and we just recorded it in the last couple of days. So. And asked if we could, uh, you know, I want to make sure it was okay if we played it here. And he said, fine. And then, uh... and then I asked if we could maybe act out the last five minutes of the film so you get the movie out. And he was even okay with that, but we're kind of chickening out. We're just focusing. Anyways, this one's going to be called Man of the Hour.
was especially telling about this song and it goes it speaks to the fans and how the fans work this show it feels like if you turn the band off it feels like you can hear a pin drop in that building because they were listening so intently to this new song and trying to take it in you know instead of like listening to a nothing as it seems like it feels like that would be a little more loose and people would kind of be rocking out in their chair or something like that this I, I, I had this feel of the crowd that everybody was just trying so hard to to listen and take it in as well as possible and try to remember it almost so later that night when the show is over they can be like hey remember that song that they debuted how did it go again like you know I, I had that feel that people were trying to do that during this. Yeah, and I, oh, they were at rapt attention. You're absolutely right. And I think that, again, has to do with the power of, of Ed's voice and the way he's playing and controlling this crowd. Like, the way he sounds in this. And, I, and this is another one where that's the first thing I wrote down is, like, just Ed's voice sounds incredible. And, yeah, he's, he, has, he has that power to to make a crowd like this hush. And, that, and that's, again, that's that's kudos to them you know just just as much as you give them credit for for screaming and you know appreciating being loud and doing the stuff give them credit for being quiet during a song like this and giving it the giving it the respect that it that it deserves so just they said they only had only recorded it just a couple of days before right uh yeah just amazing but then there's that moment like where they finish up the chorus and goodbye for now and and they and they kind of go back and they reset the song a little bit and the crowd just kind of it's almost they let out a huge like they're holding their breath and they're waiting for that moment where they can just erupt and and just cheer yeah. on the band and and oh boy those are great moments from this i i i really this is another you know i'm on board with you here you just isolate ed's vocals and and you kind of feel where he's coming from you can feel what's in his soul and and this being brand new i'm sure they're thinking in their heads like oh we're we're feeling this this one's going to be on our minds for a while so you can tell that they were proud of this one absolutely and you know we don't get to talk about this song a lot like i remember in in 2004 i think after the movie came out the 10 club released a little cd single uh not a seven inch weirdly enough but a little cd single with uh with man of the hour and then the demo for man of the hour uh and i don't know if, if, if you guys haven't heard that demo of man of the hour oh it's it's, it's spine chilling it's great absolutely great so definitely go and check that out if you haven't heard it all right that transitions into immortality and mind you mike was on the electric for most of this and you know he he needed to stay seated so take the electric out of his hands and put him an acoustic in his hands and what does he do he plays the acoustic like he's tearing up an electric (laughs) so you know and it's funny because we did talk about this on our our evolution episode for immortality and how you know playing this as opposed to what they were doing at the time and you know this being like the one where again you said before he holds out those notes and you can dig deep within his soul he was just kind of doing some flamenco strumming and he was you know doing some crazy stuff uh, you know different things and and making it have more of an acoustic vibe it it just he's so talented that he's able to turn something so emotional into something that's just a different emotion in the same song like don't say that for a lot of guitars or a lot of musicians Oh yeah, he's he's too good for his own good, 
and and you know we talked about this this is kind of like you know they had done this acoustic at, at the bridge school in 94 so they had a little that bit was of very history early of it. on though yeah definitely very early on um but yeah and again the you mentioned too the only one 10 song only one versus song this is only one vitality song as well right right so you know when you you're not digging into those early ones that much. They got to stand out as much as they can. And, and you think about the endings to immortality too, where, you know, this is one where Matt usually just gets to absolutely tear a hole in the snare and, you know, and he goes nuts or Jack goes nuts and they just kind of, they have a very smooth landing with it. it. It's a really good performance. And that's one of the things, you know, it, it's so hard for you not to recognize Matt in some of these songs, but he just does a perfect job blending into this whole entire set. Oh, absolutely. He's he's so good at, at reading the songs and really guiding them to where they need to go. Absolutely. He's totally underrated in that in that element. But Immortality 2, think about where it's placed. It's directly in the middle of this this main set here. It's it's kind of the most it's probably the most known song in this main set, weirdly enough. And I think it it serves a a real point of anchoring this whole thing together. You have that that intro, you have a lot of like rare stuff, some debuts, a lot of, you know, 2000 stuff already, more, more recent cuts. And then we're going to, they're going to hit you with this, this Vitalogy song that everybody knows. It's going to, it kind of has the effect of like bringing that crowd all in and you're like, okay, you know, we're, we're at the top of the mountain right now. Here we go. You know, I think it really, really serves a purpose, really does a good job of, of anchoring this whole main set together. Yeah, that's a good point. It's kind of like the acoustic version of the even spot, almost. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's cool, because you get Vitalogy, and like you said, you were getting a lot of 2000 songs, but here it's your 90s section almost. You know, you get two no-code songs back-to-back, which it, it feels like it almost never happens this way, so off he goes is played uh and an amazing version of off he goes it has that folky country western vibe sound to it and mike again is just going off that like ending solo that mike has in this is another just just masterwork of just this show and and definition of how this show sounds uh but around the bend the fifth time they've ever played it they hadn't played it in 226 shows that's going back to uh, a show that Jack played with them in 98. That was the last time they had played it to that point. So that's brand new for Cameron. And, you know, again, the rarities are, are just making more and more memories. This is a good checklist show for, for people that have been going to a lot and they're still waiting for some. Like, this is off a lot of people's checklist now. And, and you got to think, like, you know, this show could be for a lot of people. This could this could be the one and only performance that they've seen of, some, of certain songs. Oh, definitely, definitely. Yeah, I love this little section here, these two no-code songs back-to-back. It's you, you mentioned Off He Goes, and yeah, I'm going to second that. Like the, you mentioned the country and western feel. That's perfect. That's the way I like it more than like the, the folk rock feel that it sometimes has. It, it needs that, like, you know, it could have been like a Hank Williams Sr. song or something, you know, you do go back to like that really old like 50s, 40s and 50s country. It's kind of what it evokes. I thought it fantastic. And then, yeah, around the bend, and we got we to mention too, Boom gets a little solo at the end of this.
is one that again should get played a lot more and again it's it's something it's just based on the feel you know it's kind of it's a weird song to play in an arena but in a venue like this it's it's perfect yeah and and i thought that this version specifically was longer than most versions of around the bend that they play live i feel like this is kind of you know they, they played in that you know one two three out of the encore kind of deal and it just kind of you know it's two and a half minutes or so i feel like this lasted more like four four and a half minutes or so this was a little bit longer than it usually is yeah i think they felt they, like they probably just gave it gave it to boom and like hey like you know kind of do your thing you know give him make 45 seconds for a minute to kind of do his thing yeah i thought it was nice Ed tells a story here about uh, somebody trying to find him backstage and serving him legal papers. Something really bizarre happened when uh, uh, one of the ushers uh, an hour before we played or two hours before we played said, uh, there's somebody, is your name Ed? And yeah, and there's somebody who wants to talk to you. And yeah, and I thought it was this other guy called Rob that I wanted to talk to. And then, and then uh, it was a guy in an overcoat and just an older guy. I thought maybe somebody was working with the the organization here and then uh, he asked me if I was who I was and I was thinking that no I'm not probably but <laughs> anyways but then he, and then he said I'm from uh, well he tried to serve me some papers like legal papers you come to play a benefit and somebody tries to serve you legal papers this is the most punk ass motherfucker move I've ever heard of someone had was suing them because you know because of their bootleg series he was suing them because he had come up with the yeah, idea for bootlegs that. and like wanted a cut of their bootleg revenue i think th- i remember hearing about this story at the time yeah i think it ended up getting dropped like there was they i don't think they had to, to do anything with it but yeah it's just yeah weird weird little story there the crowd definitely appreciates it though yeah, for for some for someone like that to to go to you at a show, not like go to hey like Pearl Jam's offices or something like that. They have offices in Seattle, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Or go to his house, like it just <laughs> it, it that's that's low. That's a low ball thing. I'm not. And, it, and it's know, too. He always he does this where when uh, he always uses this kind of as an opportunity to kind of you know kind of mock his own celebrity status because you know the he'll come be like. Oh, are you, are you, the, you're, you're the guy, right? Like you're him and he's, uh, no, I'm, no, no, I'm, that's I'm not, him. you know, it kind of goes right. back to those, you know, those interviews in the nineties where he'd be like someone, he'd talk about, you know, someone seeing him like, you're that guy. And he's like, no, no, I'm not that guy. Like, I'm not <laughs> who you think I am. He kind of like ties back to some of those old, uh, old stories that I thought that was really funny. I'm going to go the second week in a row by making an obscure wrestling reference here, but I have to in this because this reminds me of this. There's a, a current wrestler on, on the WWE roster who tells this story sometimes. And he, he says, you know, people will go up to him in gas stations or wherever. And they'll be, they'll be like, Hey, are, are you this guy? And, and his response is perfect. He says, sometimes because it's true. That's not his real name. So yeah, sometimes I'm that person, but right now, I'm actually, you know, I'm just myself. So, you know, it it just, it's funny. But anyway, that gets us into, I believe in miracles played in the acoustic manner that we've heard at the Wrigley shows at, uh, you know, a couple other, uh, the gorge, another performance that they had done this. I I didn't realize how often they played this version. I I thought it was way rarer than, than I thought. 
I believe this was the first acoustic one, though, because I think they had been playing it going back to 95, but always in, like, the fast Ramon style. I think I remember hearing, right. thinking this was the first acoustic performance of it. Was it the first? Okay, because I know that they that 2003 was, like, the first year that they really started getting into it a lot more because I think that was right before uh, Johnny passed, so, it, you know, Ed, right. Ed had him on his mind. But, uh, yeah, I wasn't sure about the acoustic part, but they brought it back. This version was, at, uh, I think, played all week at Bridge and, and Santa Barbara as well, if That's I'm right. not mistaken. Yeah, yeah so, uh, look, it's played more often than not, but it's it's such a great alternate way to play a Ramon song and, and, and taking that and turning it into, you know, something a little bit more unique and not being a four-chord, you know, spectacular that Ramon songs are, you know. It's cool that they're able to, to kind of change it up and, and mess with it a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I, it's always cool when they can rework stuff like that. And yeah, to get, you know, I don't think the Ramones ever did a up in a Royal Hall show, an acoustic show. So no. it's definitely a cool thing. Yeah, I don't think they ever picked up an acoustic guitar ever, at least in the public eye. But, um, hey, there might be a Ramones super fan out there that uh, could, could correct us on that. Not, not to, not to my knowledge. At least. So, uh, let's move on because the, these next two songs here. This is like, for me, these are the best, two of the best moments of the night, and that's Slide Hand, All or None. Really digging into the kind of songs that you know they set out to play on this night, and really feeling the meat and potatoes of this set and the emotion from it. And uh, Slide Hand, we get a, a guest appearance. John, tell them what happens. <laughs> so, yeah, about halfway through the song, uh, a fan decides to jump up on stage and kind of like throw his arms up and jump around like, hey, look at me. Uh, <laughs> and he really doesn't get a reaction. Like, I think the band just kind of like ignores him almost. <laughs> just kind of stares it, at him like, It's okay. as classy place you got here, yeah. <laughs> And uh, yeah, he's he's quickly escorted off by by the security. And yeah, that was a that was a funny little moment. It was, you know, it's it's funny how how they react to things like that like some bands would be like hey hey get the fuck out of here you know right. like or try to they, they're just like this hey, is just ignore him. like that and that's the best way to handle it like just ignore him let him make a fool out of himself and and it be done becomes part of the night yeah and, and it's like a little blip like we're not going to even talk about it much more than what we're talking about now because it's a very very small right aspect of the show and, and you yeah know, i think he ed makes the joke that like oh that that was, that was our manager house. that that's that's kelly curtis he's just so excited that we're playing here yeah uh and i think after sleight hand is a great performance again mike is playing on the electric a little bit and you, you get the you know the different dichotomy of, of where they were and where, what the band was doing uh based off of what mike was doing and and just it blends in together so nicely but all or none man whoa this is yeah this is yeah. one of the best performances of the night um 
I mean, I'll go out on a limb. I'll say this this is the best performance of all or none. Hands down. Ever. Like, I... Yeah. They've only um, done it 17 gonna, times, so... That's right. I, I feel pretty, pretty confident saying that, but... Yeah, only the seventh time they played it, uh, you know, for a song. I mean, for a song that came out, you know, on Riot Act less than a year before, you wouldn't think that would be a big deal. But they've done that huge tour. Like, a lot of these Riot Act songs have been played, you know, 20, 30, close to 40 times. So, yeah, but the, oh my gosh, the, the solo part, Mike is just channeling something otherworldly. He's he's on another yeah. plane. It's it's. it's it's magical, yeah. finding something different within him to to go to and changing it up a little bit but here he is just on a different planet than the rest of the band and you hear the crowd is so appreciative of it too that after the song this is where everybody gets up and just gives him the absolute biggest standing ovation that you can give anybody and it's just it's such a warm reception um the performance is you said it. I think this is the best version of All or None that that's out there. They open with it at that Vic show, and and that's another show full of rarities just like this, but um, not the same landscape, not the same mentality. Uh, you know, they they really and this is another Ed's vocals just being isolated and tapping into you know something you know emotional within him that you don't feel with other versions of the song. This is truly truly special version. Yeah, and with regards to the the crowd, you know, how could they not like they know they've just witnessed something amazing. Like even even casual fans, you know, they 
might not the walls have to be, be shaking they, during this right if, oh yeah like if you don't feel something after after listening to this like you just don't appreciate music like as yeah it's it's one of those things you know even even a non-pearl jam fan you know you could just you could put you know someone who'd never heard them and was just a fan of like hendrix or the grateful dead or whoever you know put them and play them this performance and be like yep that that's that's Sold. he's channeling some of that same stuff yeah mm-hmm. absolutely yeah this is this is a big moment and you know there's so many songs that we've talked about already that we don't get to cover on the show a lot and this is one of them uh i don't you might be right we're, we're probably not going to get a version that ever tops this at all like this is this yeah. is the this is the one huh if he's got this in him, like, why don't they play this more? Like, it it could be such a standout moment. But again, moment. maybe it's they're they're just waiting for him to have it in him and waiting yeah, for the best yeah. moment where he does have it in him. Like, like I said with Fatal, you know, like if you play it all the time and you mix it in all the time, it, it's it's gonna get rid of its value a mm-hmm. little bit. Yeah, so and, and he doesn't get an like even that. flow. He doesn't get an alive. He doesn't get like a given to fly. He doesn't get like a corduroy, some of those moments that he normally has. So he has to, he has to let oh, it out. But he has he moments. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But he certainly, so it's going to come out of him. He gets it's going to come out whether, whether you want to or not. Exactly. So uh, this is a, this is after the crowd just kind of erupts and gives him a standing ovation here. Ed turns the mic over to stone. And uh, this is, this is pretty funny because I kind of knew where he was coming from. And it, it's, it's a great point that he makes. And he, he, he kind of goes off. He's like, yeah, I was just talking to Ed about acoustic shows and, and how rock music can become a, a big wash. And did, did you, did you realize the fans, like there were like a fan or two in the crowd is like, wash, wash, mm-hmm. wash. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, that would have been me too. Yeah. Right. And, uh, you know, you, you kind of forget words and they get muffled a little bit. So, uh, this is a good song, a good night to play a song where the m- words might not get muffled. And, uh, it, it's, it, it kind of goes back into what we were saying before that, like with a low lighter or thumbing my way where, you know, versions, nowadays or or even in other shows that aren't on the stage can get a little bit looser feel a little bit more uh you know i I, you know they they can play around with it a a little bit uh i think that's what what he's trying to go for here but he's going in the opposite direction by saying like hey you know there's a song like Lucan where it's absolutely unaudible, inaudible whenever you hear it. So uh, now we're going to play it and it's still going to kind of be inaudible, but at least it'll be on the stage. Yeah. There's always a little tongue in cheek element to those, those intros of Lucan whenever they, they know that it's going to be one of these like acoustic or slower versions that they're, they're just, they're just trolling the crowd a little bit. Right, and and the performances, of course, like it's not it's not Lucan too. It's not a slow Lucan, you know. It's right. just kind of played on the acoustics, and you know they're not butchering it for butchering its sake. It's not a, a minute long speed drill, but uh, like Stone mentioned, the words were a little less muffled, so yeah, you, you had that at least. Yeah, I mean, it, I would have been like, I would have had my trying to trying to write out what the words were. Yeah. Oh, you go through the line and you don't need that stuff. 
but this is, you know, Ed kind of mentions the infamous Mike McCready kiss line afterwards, the where Speaking he thought of lyrics. Yeah, I want to rock and roll all night and part of every day. I think we've all heard that about a thousand times. So yeah, this is not the first or the last show that he's, he's mentioned that. So just just keep that in mind. I'm sure we'll bring it up again at some other point. But um interesting that this transition you get like Lucan and it's kind of like an exciting happy moment and it goes back into just sort of the you know the down key to, you know more despair songs like Parting Ways and God Parting Ways another binaural song that just sounds perfect the three like pretty rare album enders at least you know for this time period uh, Parting Ways Around the Ben and All or None are all played at the show and that's that's saying something. That's pretty crazy yeah. there. And, and even if you want to throw in, if, if you want to not consider Stupid Mop as the, the real album ender for Vitalogy, you know, they did Immortality too. So, like, that's, you know, I love the album enders just as much as the openers are so important in their lineage because, you know, it always kind of, it opens with a bang and it, and it closes, you know, on more of a, uh, you know, more of this note where it's kind of, you know, downtrodden and a little bit of despair. And, and it's such a, a weird way to close out, out binaural, too, where, you know, you had so many ups and downs throughout the record that, you know, after a ukulele song of all songs, this finishes this out. And it's so powerful. And it gets really emotional with the lyrics on this as well, too. It's uh, another great song where you can isolate Eddie's vocals. Definitely, definitely. It really is. I I really like those versions that they did later on where they would bring out like the the string quartet and you you Mm. get the cello and the viola and all that stuff. I really surprised we didn't get it, but I'm surprised we didn't get any of that at the show. Yeah, yeah, just for like one show would have been a nice touch, but yeah, this this is great. I mean. Parting Ways is a, is a great song. I, I, it's one of my one of my underrated favorites. So it was it was great to hear. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's a good point with the album enders too. Yeah, I, you know you don't usually look getting the openers. You can get once and sometimes and Brandon J and some of those other songs at the same show and and not even think about it. But to get three album closers at the same show, that's got to be just as rare as uh, as anything you know yeah it made you it made me miss all those yesterdays a little bit yeah that i mean that probably doesn't fit as much in this landscape but um we need to get back to covering that song because we haven't covered that name this is just getting this is pretty much a a wax poetic on songs we haven't talked about in ages show because parting ways we never get to talk about thumbing my way we never get to talk about uh all or none like you know, this is this is this is our moment to, to get to listen to songs that we don't listen to every week. So, uh, you know, if, if we if we just spend the time doing less analysis and more, you know, just gushing over it, then uh, then that's the reason. But uh, anyway, I love the finish to to the set. You you finish on on a high point, and uh, you finish with down, which is a little bit more upbeat and outgoing and and poppy, and you know, especially for the time. You know, Down is is really, if there was like a Lost Dogs single that was out, I feel like it would have been Down. I feel like that's like almost the selling point for the album outside of, you know, the, the old 92, uh, 93 songs. 
Right, and uh, and I think too, I think every time they they played it, he would mention something about like, oh, you know, this one didn't make the record, it didn't mm-hmm. fit, but we were dumb. Like we just looking back, it absolutely should have been on there. Right, uh, that had nothing to do with the with the quality of it. Yeah, down is is fantastic, and it, it's it's in that rearview mirror porch spot ending the set, and it it, it kind of serves like just like immortality, kind of served the even flow. Uh, portion of the set here down kind of brings it all together and it leaves everybody on, on a high like you said it's, it's great yeah i don't know if it's ever closed a set or a, sh- or a show like this. Well, i would be i would be very surprised if it had i think this is probably yeah. this is kind of like your you know sort of mid mid main set kind of song to to get you off of the uh the roller coaster of even flow and kind of into you know a poppier end of your main set that that's that's kind of where it usually lays but yeah to end a set really after all that you got you got so much emotion in there again parting ways and off he goes and, and around then and all those great songs that you almost never get to hear to get something a little bit more upbeat a little catchy you get to dance in your seat a little bit like good way to end it and good good way to keep you thinking that hmm what else is there that they can pull out of their, their arsenal in the encore so there's a lot so let's get to it they come out and it's really i feel like the first two songs are just ed i didn't see the video yep, on these songs they are yeah uh, it's just ed so uh can't keep and you know obviously later on we would know that this would become you know part of ed's acoustic uh part of ed's ukulele songs album uh, and this would be the opener of that album. And, and it was kind of funny because the first time I ever listened to that, I didn't even look at the track listings or, you know, barely looked at them. And I played the song and I'm like, wait a minute. This is this is this is Pearl Jam. This isn't Ed. What What is going on here? Am I listening to an, a, a ukulele Pearl Jam album? So it's cool going all the way back here. Did did he do this? solo at some points beforehand because i know he was he was messing around with with the uke a little bit but is this the this can't be the first time he was doing it right it might be because i know they'd i mean they played it a bunch of times on this tour i think 15 or 20 times i i didn't get a chance to go back and listen to all of them but yeah they were all like pretty normal you know right same way the opener is with that drum and all that right yeah, I think it it might be. It could have been something that they broke out just for this. Yeah, it sounds great. And we talked about like that he was on tour with you know, he did that like benefit with Beck a little bit where some of mm-hmm. those songs came out. Was that not part of that? Was I that don't earlier? I think so. That was that was early two thousand two. Okay, then that wouldn't have been part of it at all. But Ed, you know, outside of soon forgets, busts out the ukulele not very often. You know, just the one time for for the one song. So seeing him utilize it a little bit and on something different, it just gives it a different feel. You know, it's usually a pretty deep, pretty emotional song, but this kind of gives it more of an up tempo kind of you know clap along vibe to it. I thought I think it's great. You know what? I, I stand corrected. He actually did do it at that Wilton Theater show in, in ah. February 2002. Oh, he did. Uh, he did drifting. You got to hide your love away. Dead man parting ways. Can't keep your true. I am mine. Thumbing my way. Broken heart. Sleepless nights. Wow. So he did a couple of those ride act songs before they were, you know, ingrained on the album. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. All right. We should go back and if we ever do evolution episodes on those, 
we will keep a note on those. All right. Um, anything else you want to say on Can't Keep? Or? Uh, yeah, just just really cool. I mean, it's it's almost kind of the precursor to you know what we have now, where he'll come out solo and him he might do like an end of the wild song, or he'll do a cover like he'll do I won't back down or something, where it's kind of kind of he has like a little moment and get the band a little extra break and yeah this is kind of the precursor to that i thought it was i thought it went over really well yeah no can't can't disagree with that and uh and he stays on stage he's still by himself on stage for dead man and dead man is is one most of the times they're putting this into a set this is an eddie preset song if i'm not mistaken like right. more more than half at least and other times it's probably in that spot that you were just talking about this version is like the exact like if you played this version and the album version at like at the same time I don't think you'd be able to tell the difference it sounds exactly like the album version which is so weird because it feels like it's a I, I feel like that's such a, a unique sound to kind of mimic on mimic live instead of, you know, a, a normal, I don't know. It has, it has like a unique way about it that I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't think is, is, uh, is easy to replicate, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. I love the, the B side version of this, the, the recorded version is you can hear the room and like, you really get the, the feeling that you're, He's just in front of you in a chair playing it, and this definitely conveys that same feeling. I, I totally agree. Like I love the the way. And you, again, we'll talk about you know giving the song space, and it's he's not playing it too fast, and he, the song has room. All the things about you know thumbing my way and uh, fatal and all that stuff is, is still applies. And just and again, he he can control a room like this with just his voice and an acoustic guitar. It's really really special yeah i give a i I think this is one of the more underrated songs in the the catalog uh people don't talk about it enough and it's probably because if they played it at a show they went to they were probably out getting a beer during it uh you know he um it's it fits right in that second disc where they're doing like strangest tribe and drifting like that like it's all sort of just kind of darker songs it, it, it's downtrodden songs and it all like it melds in so well together with with the other ones on the record like it's such a it's, it's such a unique piece to and honestly the track listing that that they chose for this the second record i, I never used to really pick up on it or or you know pick up on the songs and remember the track listing at all but that little section that they have middle of of that disc is just whew, that is that is uh wow that, it's some good stuff there yeah i think this comes right before strangest tribe right if i'm not mistaken that's uh, yeah it's, i think it's dead man strangest tribe drifting if i'm not mistaken hmm. yeah uh yeah i don't, yeah, very, I don't think very cool very yeah cool. i don't think there's anything yeah, love love this version. Um, Masters of War. So I was gonna say first ever full band performance of this, but but not quite. It's uh it's just the guitars, and it kind of brings you back to that uh, that Dylan tribute. They they hadn't done it since then, and that was only Ed and Mike doing it for that show. So it kind of you know that version is just standalone, like you know 
spine tingling, you know, uh, yeah. uh, goosebumps yeah. inducing. Like that's everything that you want out of that version of the song. Uh, but to bring it back after what, like eleven years, is right. that's that's a long time to go without playing a cover like that. Yeah, and it it totally fits in with with the climate of the time. Like, they were starting to, to break out a lot more political cover songs and this one fits in perfectly and yeah you know you mentioned that that Dylan Tribute performance it totally brought me back to that you know Stone playing the G.E. Smith role of like the guy just playing rhythm guitar on that performance and it it sounds really really great it, and he's you know they and they, they hadn't really started you know kind of making it their own yet obviously the first time they played it since then so I'm sure they were like, hey, you remember, let's just do it like that, and, you know, because it was just two guitars and his voice, so let, let's just have Stone play play the other part, and we'll just do it the same way, and, oh, yeah, very, very powerful, a very, very appropriate Bob Dylan song to cover, especially, you know, with the way the climate was in 2003, you know, they were starting, we talked about it, they were starting to do, you know, Fortunate Son and Give Me Some Truth and things like that, and this fits in right in with those. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's it's perfect. I, I'm surprised that they didn't add it in earlier in that tour, like in the U.S. the you know the long U.S. Yeah. tour. Yeah, I'm surprised they didn't bust it out there. But I think this is another one where this whole week of shows, Bridge School. I think this was another Santa Barbara song too, if I'm not mistaken. I believe this was definitely so. a Bridge song. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, I mean, it's look the power punch at the end where where Ed is just gives you that final line. I stand by your grave as sure as sure as you're dead. Like ooh, every time. Yeah, and it, it it's one that stuck around too. Like it it popped up a lot in that 2004 the Vote for Change tour, and then it's yep. it's kind of popped up uh, fairly regularly ever since. Yeah, and keep it keep it alive, keep it around. That's cool. what I say. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's a keeper. All right, the whole band is back. And, you know, you, you got to do some popular songs here. You got to you can't you can't leave without doing some of the traditional stuff. So they're going to bust out black. And I was a little disappointed in the crowd. This is the one time I was a little disappointed because I heard it felt like I heard a faint. Hey, like they were like almost like one or two people were about to do it and then held off. I thought that that was a moment where everybody could have been all in on that singing that part because when you get later into the song and they're all singing the final bit of that 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 last stanza there uh and how good that sounds like oh, yeah yeah like don't you think that was kind of a missed opportunity Oh man, it would have been would have been one for the ages if like yeah. if the crowd had just overpowered him from the beginning and just taken right. the whole thing yeah, but uh, you know maybe it's it's something you know out of respect. You know, again his his voice is so so powerful in in situations like this where they maybe like almost a little bit of reverence. Like this is maybe his thing. So, but yeah, right. Looking back on it, it yeah, it would have been a, an unbelievable moment. But Ed gives the moment to the crowd. It doesn't oh, yeah. usually do this with happen. the song. Yeah, Ed, you know, for as many emotional moments as he has on this night, he lets the crowd have one with him.
crowd is just unbelievably on top of their game. They're so good at this. Like, again, it's one of those things where it sounds like there's 15, 16, 18,000 people singing. Right, right. And, and you almost wouldn't be able to tell the difference between this and a version at Madison Square Garden or Key Arena or something like that, you know? Yeah. Yeah, but it's great. And Mike's guitar is toned perfectly. It's got that, like, you know, that reverb delay effect on it. It sounds like it's right back from uh, 1992 it's it's awesome it's a really good version of Mike oh yeah and just to, how many times are we going to gush over Mike like it's another one where he's really stretching the limits of that chair he really wanted it to get up and go nuts yeah 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 but, but you know what good for him for holding off a little bit it's, it's a seated show damn it stay in your seat no no standing on this come on at least for at least for a little while longer. Where are we at a rock? Are we at a rock show here? Come on. Uh, so yeah, so some more. Uh, really finishing off the set, uh, we get another you know pretty popular you know one of the more popular songs, Crazy Mary. You get boom, his time to shine. We talked about this one on the Bridge School episode that we just did recently too, and how this was kind of like the bridge to when you know bridging the gap between the era without boom and the era with boom. And this song hasn't evolved yet into what it is where Ed has those moments where he's screaming high above the trees over the, Ed is very, you know, even keel with his voice still on this. They give it to boom. Boom does his thing and there's no duel at all. So it's a, uh, it's still, it's, it's kind of interesting because it's still a growing song at the time. And, and it, it's, it's got a, it's still got a good identity to it though. Yeah. And it, again, a, a crowd favorite, you know, even though it's a cover song, everybody knew it. And yeah, it's another chance for boom. You know, we talked about it in around the bend. He got a little solo. They, you know, like you said, they just give it to him and, and Mike doesn't try to over overshadow him that, you know, let, lets him have his moment. And, it was great you know just a really cool version of crazy mary and again i'm i'm glad they they brought it out of the show it fits in really nicely but yeah like a a, again thinking about it in hindsight it's one of those transitional time periods you know where just a few years later it would turn into something completely different exactly exactly this might be one of the last times they play it without a complete duel you know right so, oh, would you um, would you like to have been in the room where they they're practicing and, and Mike goes, "All right, keep up, keep, keep up, kid." <laughs> yeah, boom, kid, right? <laughs> yeah, the, the, I would have liked to have been in the, their practice space the first time they they went off on that together to, to oh, see. God. I'm sure there were there were some smiles going around in that one. Like, I like, well, let, you guys have the next power. Like, I'll just sit back and watch. Jeez, uh, look. If that, if footage of that exists, it would have been on PJ Twenty. I'll just, I'll just go ahead and say that. And so, yeah. uh, you know, wow, yeah. Just thinking about Cam- Cameron Crow, call us. We've yeah. got some questions for you. Exactly. That's our next big guest that we're going to get. That's what we're going to do, right? Hey, uh, if he's if he's listening, live on Four Legs Podcast at Gmail dot com. Number four. He, he knows it. He knows. He knows how to get in touch with us. Johnny Cash, Johnny Cash, not an artist that I would ever think that Pearl Jam would go to, but they do. And this is, again, one of the songs this week 
it doesn't show up after this week. It's in the Bridge School show. It's in Santa Barbara. It's at this one. 25 minutes to go. And, uh, uh... They, you know, they channel Johnny pretty well, and and they kind of, you know, they they still get the vibe of, I guess, you know, the the sort of the country folky vibe that kind of bouncy, boom, 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 I don't know how to, to kind of mimic it, but like it's it's kind of, you know, a little walking beat, yeah, yeah, right, 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 and the song is kind of cool, but I will say like. Around ten minutes to go, I'm sort of phased out a little bit. <laughs> That's a lot of minutes to put into a song. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's interesting too because if you look at the at the CD and this might be on the vinyl as well, like they have a little a copy of the set list and it it has some alternate songs that didn't get played like in the encore. There's Drifting is on there. You've got to hide your little way, which they do they do tap. But Ben Everywhere is on there too, and that's one that another Johnny Cash song that we'd never even heard them even doing. You know, that was never even on the radar, so that would have been interesting too. I'm sure it came down just just to these two, like whichever one fit better and whichever one sounded better in soundcheck, probably a rehearsal. So, yeah, it's it's an, just another debut. Like Ho Hum, just here's another song that we'd never played before or haven't played. You know, it's a song that hasn't played in forever. You know, some of the other things we talked about, but yeah, just something totally special. And yeah, it. Not really doing. He does a little bit of the Johnny Cash impression, but not fully. Like I think in the the Bridge School, and we're going to talk about, he really gets into the voice a little bit more. Right. right. You know, if they would have covered this a couple years earlier, Johnny Cash would have maybe covered one of Pearl Jam songs on his American Masters album with like Nine yeah, Inch Nails yeah. and Soundgarden yeah. and all that. That's right. That's right. What, should we, what so- uh, should, yeah, yeah, what song would you like to have heard her, 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 her do? Uh, see, it's it's tough because I, you know, we we hadn't, hadn't really given this a lot of thought beforehand, but I'm trying to think of something I've, off, I thought of ten, about it. off of 10 or off of verses. See, maybe I, something. I, I think that his voice would really reverberate on Better Man. That's, that's the one that's really sticking out to me. Um, I'm just thinking about the other songs that he did and, you know, he did mostly popular songs like I Won't Back Down and Rusty Cage. Uh, I, I just, I can see, I can just see him pouring into Better Man. I, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just the cadence of it, but, you know, maybe it's just kind of the style would fit his, uh, sort of what he was doing acoustically on that album. I'm going to give you a couple. How about, how about Nothing Man? I think that would be good. Sure. Or like a or an elderly woman. Elderly woman, yeah. I can see that. You know? Yeah. Now, would he have gone more for the songs that are already, like, tailor-made for acoustic? Or would he have done, yeah. you know, the same thing that he did for Hurt, where he, he could do, like, a rearview mirror? Get, get like, a little rearview mirror action? Well, you can't that down the Frog's version. Mirror, <laughs> come on. I think he, he knows better than that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's interesting. You, you guys out there, if you if you have a good one, let us know. Yeah, that, maybe that'll we'll be do a little cool discussion. We'll do a little Devo episode on that, and we'll, we'll break that down a little bit. Sure, I'm down for it. Uh, yeah, so there's a lot of minutes to go. You know, they, they go on and on. Uh, did this, did this, did this, uh, minutes to go. About 20 more minutes. I get it. I get the premise of the song, so. Uh, 
they close the set with Daughter. Not a song that they usually close the set with, but in this setting, I think it works perfectly and, uh, you know, sends the crowd home happy. You get some Beatle tags in there, you know my name, and you gotta hide your love away like you mentioned before. The crowd is clapping along as they're, you know, singing the tags and and, uh, Ed introduces the band as kind of like one final goodbye. Uh, great way to finish doesn't up. Doesn't introduce set. Boom though. Doesn't introduce Boom. Well, he said Boom's name after Crazy Mary. I, I think that's 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 enough for yeah. Boom for the night. You don't want him to get that big of an ego. He's, <laughs> don't, don't, he's give just, a, don't give him a big head, right? Yeah, just, he's yeah. just the backing keyboard player. He's just the B three in the background. He doesn't need he doesn't need mic status. Come on. But yeah, and again, we talked about it too. The you know the songs being in different other spots. You know, this is in the alive spot. You know, daughter daughter gets promoted to to alive for this show. Right, right. But something that doesn't leave its spot, and it's really something that never leaves its spot. Is uh, they come back out for one more, and of course they have to do lead better. And I, I think this all goes back to Mansfield and how the crowd just at this time lead better was becoming so entrenched into just what they were doing in their set that it was expected that no show would ever to ever be able to end without the song and i think that that was the the expectation at the time and now i think people accept it that yeah if a, if a show doesn't end with lead better okay they have other things to go to but i think at that at, at in 2003 i i think it was a we play lead better you play lead better or we riot kind of deal like people were dying for it at the time well yeah you just you just didn't leave until they played it right like Right. That was the sign, like, you know, oh, okay, now the show's over, you know. But this, too, is where they come out, and, you know, Ed comes out, and, you know, they, they kick the chairs away, and it's like, all right, we're going to stand up and play this one for real now. So they Ed kind of has a moment, like, he very dramatically, like, shoves his chair behind him, like, all right, we're done with that. And they and Ledbetter is done, you know, standing up all over. So that... That was definitely cool to, to give these people a little moment. But, yeah, and the ending, too, you know, we talked about it so many oh, times in the show where, yeah, but, talk, but we talked about it so many times where he was really going crazy and, like, going all bit. It, this is really kind of like a tender moment at the end. Like, he's just kind of standing there, like, plays it very gently and almost quietly. It's almost like he a does like a little lullaby kind of at the end. between the dis- distortion. Did you notice that? He went yeah. like distortion for a couple seconds and switches back. I thought that that was kind of cool. Yeah, it ends really kind of gently and, and tenderly. Like it was very appropriate for the for the time. I I appreciated that. Yeah. Oh. Mm-hmm. 
that is that is Benaroy Hall 2003, folks. That their 13th Ooh, classic, birthday, by the classic. way. That's right. Yeah, which we're we're gonna get to Teenager. a 30th birthday coming up very soon. They're you know they're getting getting on in the years. Uh, in about a month, we're gonna be celebrating their birthday. So hang on to to that idea because we'll have some uh, we'll have some cool things to talk about. I think you can already see where we're going with with that uh, once that week comes comes around. So uh, that should be very exciting. But obviously, we got a lot more to do before before then, including this. That's picking three songs that define this incredible show oh man so many choices um number three i'll say (sighs) thumbing my way setting the tone early just really like i thought it really brought that first three which you know you could go low light you know, again, same same thing we talked about, but yeah, thumbing my way, really, I thought was perfect for the moment in this. So that's my number three. Uh, number two, uh, got to be Fatal, the debut of Fatal, such a cool song, and one that's that really sticks with you, and it would have been amazing to be there. And I think I'm, I think you're gonna be with me on this. I think All or None is number one. Yeah, I I have two of yours in my top three for sure. Um, I think my number two is thumbing my way, and my number one is is all or none. It has to be like those were the best from this night. And I'm going to put it number three. I'm going to put nothing as it seems. I'm just going to give Mike and his just what he was doing electrically a little bit of credit on this show, and that's one of the ones that stuck out uh, in in that aspect. Like he was just he was going off on this one, and I think the crowd was able to appreciate it all night. He did something special, and the band all in all really pulled out something really special from this show. Uh, there, if you want to argue and say. Man of the Hour is a great moment. Um, you know, I'm not going to argue that. If you if you want to say yeah. Dead Man or or Immortality or Around the Bend, uh, like you got no arguments from me. You can make probably 15, 16, 25, 85 different lists out of uh, top three moments from this show. So I'm not really going to argue with any of them. It's 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 a perfect show. It really is. So is that is that a hint as to your rating? Uh, I mean, it's as close as a hint as, as you're going to get. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm giving it a 10. How can you not like one of, one of the classic performances of their career? Yeah. They're never, you know, even, even speaking to this day that we haven't gotten another show that's like this and we, they've done things like Vic theater and they've done, you know, rarity shows, so to speak, uh, even in arenas, they haven't done anything like this since. And I think that just speaks to how important it is still. And, you know, how how hard it was to get a ticket to the show uh, and the the venue and, and this kind of being sort of a uh, uh, a destination venue almost, the one that you, you would never think that they would play. And, uh, you know, people still to this day, I mentioned in the beginning, they will still, you say the, the words Benaroy Hall and they're like, oh, the Benny, like, oh, that's, everybody knows this show. Everybody loves this show. There's, you know, it, it stands the test of time. It's, it's perfect. You won't get the kind of set list you get from this night anywhere else. It's so good. 
did you did you rate it a number? Did you, did you go with ten? I could like you want me to go like ten thousand? Like okay, I, I could do okay. that. I, you 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 cheated at a show once and you gave it like a thirteen point five or some crap like that. Well, I think I gave Charlotte like a seventeen or something. <laughs> um, a thirty four. I don't remember. <laughs> Come on, Charlotte! Charlotte being a thirty-four, this is at least got to be like a ninety-seven or something. <laughs> Can we rate out of a hundred now? <laughs> yeah, I was just a guest on that episode. I didn't have to follow the rules. <laughs> yeah, this is this is obviously a ten. Need I say more? It's yeah, yeah it, it stands the test of time. So, all right, so that was our anniversary show. Um, pretty special, and and John, you know the magic of editing. Uh, doesn't get you a glimpse of what I did very, very early on in the show. If, if you listen to episodes, you'll know that I play like a little, if you enjoy the show, do this, do that on social media and email us here and, and blah, blah, blah here. And I play some, you know, sometimes some popular songs in the background. I've played everything from Radiohead to, to Neil Young to Zeppelin and, you know, whatever, whatever I'm feeling that week. That's, that's not just Pearl Jam. I'll try and get in there. Um, this week I was, uh, feeling a little bit different and uh i i i brought it back to my own grassroots so what you hear in that beginning is actually my high school band exploiting trevor that is our song that i played for the beginning part there and and i let it go just a little bit to get you a sense of what it is and i didn't really throw in uh any of the lyrics because i i am not very proud I, I'm proud of this song because it, it it's an accomplishment in itself to, to write a song, but, um, you know, it, it, it is very much 17 year old me in, and not, you know, 30, 34 year old me. Like it's completely, uh, yeah, it's completely different. So I, I don't know. Should, should, should I, give them a little Easter egg at the end here and, and play the song at the end. So they'll be able to, to hear And And this is Matt on bass too. This is Matt and I's band from way back when. So what do you, what do you think? Do you think it's too embarrassing or? Well, I think, I think this just means that we, we need Randy Palooza. Oh, see my exploiting Trevor that, that predates exploiting Trevor. Okay. I think but, the, I think the people are still still clamoring for Randy Palooza. There's there's some gems in Randy Palooza. That's for we sure. get we get emails every day about Randy Palooza. Yeah, you guys need to stop that. It's just it, look, it, it's it's in the vault, and what stays in the vault is in the vault, and uh, nobody's ever emailed us about Randy Palooza. So, <laughs> hey, I'm trying to get them to start. All right? <laughs> you were the first one. To even right. like make it a thing and and make it that we even mention it more than once, and now I because let of it that, go. like you have you had a festival named after yourself, we can't let that go. Yeah, it was it was a pretty good time though. Uh, I got dumped that day too. That was fun. Uh, so yeah, maybe I'll play the song at the end just because I teased okay. it. Yeah, and yeah. you know, fuck it, I'll embarrass myself. It's 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 our anniversary. It's a gift to you guys who have been listening in for however long you've been listening, whether it's been like the last couple of months, the last couple of years, like we're, we're now in, in two years. Like that's pretty insane that we've been doing this for a long time. And John, you've, you've been on hand for at least a year and change of it. And, uh, you've been a, a great co-host 
to to sit along with and and you know more about the band that i could ever learn so uh you know just just feeding off of your thoughts and ideas is, is just a pleasure to do every week and uh i hope it continues i hope it continues on for weeks and weeks and weeks and and this point in 2021 maybe we'll get to do something cool this week too who knows? Oh, yeah, that'll be cool. Yeah, thank you. That, that's that's very nice. And and I, I'll throw it back. I'll say, you know, you, you, we, you know, a lot of people don't realize how much work go, goes into something like this. And I'm I'm continually amazed by the all the work that Randy puts in on this show. It really, it's a labor of love. And so I, uh, on behalf of all of us, I thank you for all the hard work that you do every week. It's I, I know it's not easy getting this getting this thing out every week and doing all the work, but it it really shows, and we all appreciate it. Oh, I, I, I thank you for that. And I, I know that there are other people that, you know, have that, that say the same thing. And, uh, yeah, I'm, you know, it's something, uh, I, 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 I kind of, I, I love to do projects with my time and, and yes, this is something that I spend a lot of my time on. And, uh, um, when I'm proud of something and I'm, I'm in on something, I, I, I kind of, I'm a moving train. I don't stop with it. So, you know, I'm, I'm just glad that other people have attached themselves to it over the last two years enough where I can feel confident to want to keep doing it every week. So, uh, you know, just it's 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 for it's for you guys as much as it is for us. You know, just it's, make sure you just make sure you make time to rock and roll part of every day. I always find I, around like two, two or three o'clock in my day. I always kind of get up. I stretch a little bit, and I kind of, kind of headbang. I, I grew my hair out. I haven't cut my hair since uh, since quarantine. So yeah, I, I can kind of headbang a little bit. Oh, I rock and I rock and roll for, for more than part of every day, John. Don't you? Don't you? Ooh, don't go that, crazy. Man. Don't go crazy now. Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna give me a heart attack one day. I know it, but it's all right because I know I'll live. I've lived a life. I, I don't know how uh, how else we can end it, but on that note, uh, maybe tease them for next week. I'm not even sure if you know what we're doing next week. Do you? Surprise me. Are we uh, are we going back around the world? You surprised me. <laughs> yeah, we are. Uh, we we have two more countries in Europe to do, yeah. and yeah. Uh, this one actually comes from a request from our, one of our patrons, Luke. And uh, we're going to do a pretty recent show, Barcelona 2018. And uh, I haven't heard from Luke and his story yet, but apparently he has a massive story for this that he would like to tell. And, uh, of course, as we do on the show, we share stories to their full extent. And we had some good ones on uh, this episode today. So we'll get to that one next week. We'll keep going back around the world. I think this whole entire month of September, the rest of the month is going to be around the world. And then October, uh, we're going to get really fired up in October. And, and uh, we're going we're gonna to get you guys really fired up, too. Uh, I hope so that's that's the intention and then the rest of the year will be the rest of the year so uh, you know no more teases outside of that Uh, just wait for next week and then we'll uh, we'll see where we go from there but until then this may be the end we're here but not for much longer and although we may be parting ways I miss you already and I miss you always thanks for everybody for listening in for the last two years hopefully we can have at least two more maybe I don't know. Maybe we got two and a half more into us. We got to We got to get to at least like half of the yield tour, which we haven't gotten to really any of yet. So yeah, that that big board still got a lot of empty spaces. It sure does. It sure does. So you know, keep 
keep your requests coming and all of you guys that uh that go and join patreon you always you always have requests that that need to be fulfilled and that's 2021 that's going to be the year of the patron right there baby so keep on keep on giving us stuff to cover keep on giving us stuff to talk about so uh we thank you again john thanks you i thank you everybody from benaroya hall thanks you kenny main thanks you and uh we will see you next week and next time and uh Here's something that I'm not very embarrassed by. If you're selling the Benaroya vinyl, call me. Guys, I really suck, I can't play Guys, I really suck, I can't play